You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. G'day there, Joe. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you, Richard. How are you? Yeah, very good. Great to be chatting with you again today. Yeah, yeah. What have you been up to? uh, Oh, Oh, I got in first. You got in first? All right. I will share with you that um, I am reading a fiction book, a Western, a genuine Western. Oh, as in like guns toting kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's (laughs) called uh, Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry, and Mm -hmm. uh, I came across it because I was listening to a Christian podcast, and they were talking about what books they're reading, and they mentioned it. Uh, and apparently, it's a Pulitzer Prize-winning novel. So, uh, whoa! And there's a little uh, on the cover. It says, "If you only read one Western novel in your life, read this one." And so, I thought I would. And um, I've actually been really enjoying it. It is. Ah. Uh, it is set in the 1880s, starting in yep. Texas. Yeah. A couple of ex-Texas Rangers um, called Augustus McRae and W. F. Cole. Uh, who have in, are in the cattle business and they've nice. just decided to um, steal some cattle from Mexico and go up to Montana where there's, apparently there's lots of grass and it'll be a great adventure and they'll be rich. And so it is, uh, it's the, it's got everything. There's like sheriffs, horses, cowboys, lassos, colts, rifles. Uh, I think there'll be action against Indians or Native Americans. Um, and uh, so, uh, but it's just, it's very foreign to me, which, you know, I yeah. love. Um, I have to look up, I'm always looking up things like what is mesquite bush or um, <laughs> chaparral or water moccasins as a type of snake. Apparently. Oh, um, I've never heard of that before. No, well, it's, it's quite American. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I found a paragraph I might read to you because you're, a, okay. you, know, you know cattle, Joe, so you might uh, understand this. <laughs> Um, this paragraph is Cal had taken the precaution of buying a lead steer from the Pumphreys, a big docile longhorn they called Old Dog. The steer had never been to Montana, of course, but he had led several herds to Matagorda Bay. Cal figured the old steer would at least last until they had the herd well trail broken. Now, does that make sense to you, Joe? No, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it, must, it must be... Oh, and maybe if I was a drover, I would know. Like, you know how people drove cattle around Australia along yeah, the stock routes? Yeah, yeah. Maybe they have a, a lead stick because you have a lead dog, yeah. kind of dog that leads the pack. Yeah. And then you have, yeah, side dogs and back. So you've, you've never pack, led um, several hundred head of uh, cattle. Um, well, we've led several kilometers. hundred head of cattle, but not a thousand kilometres, more like through the paddocks. And so you... <laughs> Maybe the maybe wow that that is a fascinating idea. They find a big docile steer mm. and just let him be the yeah. leader. Apparently, you need a lead steer in this thing. Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing about dogs. So um, interesting. Yeah. So enjoying. Uh, it's huge, by the way. It's like six hundred pages, um, eight hundred wow. pages. So I, wow. <laughs> I'll be here for a while. But uh, <laughs> loving getting transported to Texas in the 1880s uh, yeah. during my wind down time at the end of the day so and yeah. going north to montana going north to montana so they're crossing all these rivers going past alabama i'm sure there's going to be gunfights yeah. and everything on the way we've already wow. had one cowboy die uh, oh no and there's like there's um you know about 10 in the crew so i'm expecting a death of a cowboy kind of every 
three Every or four so chapters. Often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from, this guy died of snakes crossing the river. So um, that was oh, pretty dear. horrendous. But, uh, oh, that would be awful. Well, yeah. So I'm happy not to be a cowboy, but fun to read about. Mm. Um, well, I've you, been Jane? going back in history as well. You've been yeah. going to the 1800s. I have been going back to the 1600s, um, yes, but also modern at the same time. So um, Antonio Lucio Vivaldi, I had to look up his full name. I only know him as Vivaldi, mm-hmm. lived in the 1600s and he mm-hmm. was a composer. And he composed, I imagine you know, you've heard of them, the Four Seasons, Vivaldi's yes. Four Seasons. Very yes. familiar with the Four Very Seasons. Fam- Yes, so it's uh, a, si- a series of four violin concertos um, and they're beautiful. Mm. But I then discovered something. I've never truly appreciated violin concertos, to be honest. I much prefer piano. But I discovered this guy called Max Richter mm-hmm. and he has re- re-envisioned, recomposed Vivaldi's Four Seasons and it's, I have been listening to his version of Spring on repeat, I kid you not, for hours at a time. I just really? play it again and again and again and again. There's something about it that I you, just love. How can you recompose, this is a naive question, how can you recompose a, a string concerto, violin concerto? Well, this is very interesting because I didn't fully recognise spring in it. It's quite different in some ways. Um. But I'll read to you. I did decide to Google it because I thought you might ask this question and I was like, I don't know. So I'll look it up. <laughs> On Wikipedia, the source of all, um, um, you know, untrustworthy knowledge yep. but somewhat trustworthy, it yep. says, although Richter said that he had discarded 75% of Vivaldi's original material, which fits because it definitely didn't feel like all of spring, um, the parts he does use are phased and looped, emphasising his grounding in postmodern and minimalist music. Wow. There you go. And it does feel like it. I was just literally watching Vivaldi this morning because I thought, I, I want to go back. If I'm going to talk about this, I'm just <laughs> remind myself. And I watched some some violins play Vivaldi together and I thought, oh, that's the bit he's grabbed. Oh, that's another bit he's grabbed. And mm. he just loops mm. them. And it's amazing. I love it. So Max Richter, a German composer, our contemporary, so he's alive at the moment, yeah. um, reimagining Vivaldi, and I have loved it. How did you come across this music? YouTube. It came up as a link. I came played up it as and a I was link. like, Yep. The algorithm so, found you, Joe. It hunted well, you down and found you. I am susceptible to the algorithm, I'm <laughs> going to be honest. Well, anyway. <laughs> that's great. You get these leads mm. how you can. Um, mm. But I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm, uh, I might have a listen to that. Uh, well, I'll put the link my, in the show notes. Uh, my next drive. Mm. Yes, mm. do that. Anyway, but, uh, I have to also tell you about something interesting I've been discovering. Yes. Um, I've been discovering that it's actually a bit of a job to do a timeline of Jesus' life, to pull mm. together all four of the Gospels, mm. particularly John because, of course, it's um, written and formed differently to the yeah. other three. I've been trying and really enjoying it but finding it quite difficult. So I started with Matthew and I did, okay, I was like, right, where does Jesus go to? I started with his movements, like what yeah. does he go to? Yeah, yeah. Then, you know, I'm trying to get my head around the Gospels this year and make it a bit more solid. And I thought, yeah. now the culmination is I can pull together a timeline. Turns out harder than I thought. But <laughs> <laughs> some interesting little grounding moments in Jesus' life that I've been enjoying. Are, mm-hmm. um, and I thought we could read it in, in Matthew 4. Yeah. Um, where in Matthew 4, Jesus is tested in the wilderness. Um, and that also happens in 
Luke, where is it? It's also in Luke yeah. 4, which helps me because I'm like, oh, it's in the fours. The wilderness <laughs> testing is in the fours. It doesn't That's come helpful. up in Mark. Yeah, um, yeah. In, oh, it, it's briefly referenced in Mark, in Mark yeah. 1. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I go to four, the fours, and he's just been tested in the wilderness and he's sent the sa- Satan away and he mm. says, um, in verse 10 of chapter 4, he says, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devils left him and the angels came and attended him. And then immediately um, it's, he, it moves on to, When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. And it's interesting because the few things that jumped out at me is, um, firstly, the angels came and attended Jesus. What's going on there? Do you have any ideas? Uh, I love that verse. Yeah. Um, Like what, did they bring him a cup of tea and some biscuits? Some comfort? Yeah. Um, Was it like he could hear them singing? Because they do, they, they chant and they sing and they praise. So oh, I wondered yeah. if he could hear, like, if there's a, he could hear them praising him. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's just intriguing. You're, mm. Yeah, you kind of fill in the, fill in yeah. the blanks there. Yeah, but it has that in those few verses, he hears that John's been put in prison. He goes to Galilee, which we know is a region, yeah. and then he leaves Nazareth, which is his hometown, and he he lives in Capernaum. So he essentially moves out of home. Yeah. Um and. In, in his 30s, that's quite late, might I say. Mm. Um, <laughs> but actually, if you jump to Luke, that's the moment in Nazareth where he sits down and says, the, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, the oh, Isaiah. Right. Yeah, cool. But it doesn't come up in Matthew. It's literally like passed over in Matthew. Yeah. And so what I've been appreciating is if we hold Matthew and Luke and Mark together and then you add some, I haven't yet even tried to bring in John. I'm going to be honest. I'm not there yet. Yeah, it's really fascinating to think Matthew decided that that part of the story of Jesus' story in Nazareth wasn't part of how he was going to tell Jesus' life, mm. but Luke thought, no, this is going to be important to recount. Yeah, and so, yeah. Anyway, I just enjoyed it. I love what you're doing here because I think uh, sometimes as we teach the Bible or teach the Gospels, um, because we're we're getting good um, at attuning ourselves to the literary mm-hmm. features. Um, there's just a small risk that we can treat these as great stories, um, mm. great. Um, like a rollicking tale. Like, oh, great, tale. look at this. And yeah. uh, when you do little things like this, uh, like uh, connect, reconstruct sort of biographical details or mm. go deep on a particular place or location or like even speak in the past tense as th- what happened, I think mm. we're just betting down that this is historical reality. Yeah, that's so um, true. That's so true. And, and Christianity, among all the religions, is a historically grounded faith. Yeah. Mm. And I find doing this is humbling. It mm. humbles me because, you know, I think I have a wrong sense of my knowledge of God's word. And then I realize, oh, there is just so much for me to understand in the most basic of passages. You would say, I, I would say, oh, I know the Gospels. No, I don't. <laughs> How they all fit together is quite a complex thing. Yes. And it humbles me even to share it out loud. I think, oh, I want to know this already, but yeah, I don't, yeah. so I have to learn it. Okay. All right, let's go. <laughs> that's, that's the attitude we're looking in ourselves, and that's what, yeah, that's what we're going to encourage so. for our listeners as well. We don't want any of our yeah. listeners to think, oh, I've, I've done the Bible, got that yeah. covered. <laughs> it's, it's a lifetime of learning. 
oh, I can fall into that so often. I'm thankful for God's love, love of the the uh, frail human mind. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, what have you been reading, Richard? Uh, well, I have been um, doing a bit of reading in, um, it's interesting, it's a journal uh, called Ooh. Familios. Yes, now, we've talked about this briefly, haven't we? Yeah. Um, now, a, a journal, just like every discipline, theology has journals. Mm. And um, when I was at college, they were in um, a library mm. or a subscription cost, um, you know, one or $200 a year or, um, yeah, it was uh, not something I dug into heaps, but I've recently realized that there's a very good Christian journal that has kind of next level academic writing. Mm. Maybe it's not, uh, I'm not familiar enough with the academic world to know where exactly it sits, but mm. uh, next level academic writing uh, from a, a, a strong evangelical base, like, um, and uh, which I think is going to be useful for, for pushing me along in theology. So the journal is mm. called Familios. I think it was originally founded in 1975 um, in the university ministry in England. Uh, Familios mm-hmm. is a Greek word. It means foundation. Um, mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to look that up. Um, and uh, But now it's been, because, you know, digital age, everything changes, it's actually being run, organised by the Gospel Coalition, mm-hmm. um, and it's free on the website. And Really? Um, on the editorial board is like Don Carson, most people would have mm-hmm. heard of, and even our um, Mark Thompson from our um, at Vermont College. Mm. So we're in safe hands as we mm. wander in here, even though the, the ideas are stretching and we, mm. we may or may not disagree with them. But we're in, mm. this is good stuff. And um, yeah, I've, I've, I've got recently bought myself a tablet so I can actually kind of mm. read it, Engage in, with it in a lounge chair. I, I hate reading long things on the computer and the laptop. And, um, yeah, I just read an interesting article on hell in a recent e- edition. Wow. I mean, hell, that's a heavy topic. Uh, yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, why not try and grow in our thinking about hell? And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this, uh, this article um, is uh, written by oh, it's a PhD student in, um, in Westminster Se- Seminary in, um, okay. in, the, in, the, uh, in England. But, um, yeah, just an intriguing little idea I'm reading here. It says, the author says, it's my contention that when man – if God should so pass over him, pass him over in his election, enters hell, he will either eventually or immediately lose all but every scintilla of goodness that he once possessed, while still possessing the limited goodness of limited being. God will remove the restraints on man, and even the impulse to buy his mother flowers on Mother's Day will be lost to an overwhelming desire to increase his in his transgressions. <laughs> so. I mean that's a hard. It's part. It's part of an argument. But um, yeah, what this article is doing is is going. All right, let's. How about you think about this a bit harder? Think about categories of goodness and sin and restraint of sin mm. and the existence of people in hell. And mm. yeah, and so um, wow, I'm. F- I found that uh, stimulating, interesting. Yeah, need okay. to read it again. Ideally, would discuss it with some other people. So yeah, yeah. Do you find as you read that kind of writing? That you come at it, you have to you have to read it differently. In that, like that's quite confronting content, and mm. you're not expecting to get that kind of content from you know just a regular published Christian book. You're often yeah, expecting yeah. to find enjoyment or challenge, but not that level push. Yeah. You, or are you, yeah. How do you approach that? Um, yeah, well, I probably need practice to be honest. <laughs> I've been out of the habit, uh, but I think. 
reading, uh, trying to understand where the, the flow is, what, what mm. this is interacting, what false ideas, um, and where, where are those false ideas? You know, what are the ideas floating in my culture, in my world? Mm. Um, are these ideas, what, what is he saying? Read sympathetically. Is it fit mm. with the Bible? Mm. Um, do I agree? Um, yeah, mm. that's, uh, that's kind of how I, I read articles like this. Yeah. I feel like I've got a whole emotional journey to go on as well. I'm like, I am going to read this confronting text. <laughs> Let's go, you know, before I do all that really yeah, <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. So maybe I need to just manage emotions a bit better. But, uh, yeah, I listen to that and I'm like, okay, that would be a big moment for me. Yeah. I'm going to have to give it a go. Well, yeah, it's just part of the part of the reading diet perhaps for me yeah. looking across a year. Yeah, it's uh, good. That's really good. So, um, yeah, so Thamelios, uh, we'll put a link to that, I reckon, People without a college education would enjoy reading you know, one oh, article, an article in there every now and again. Um, yeah. If you're uh, up for um, yeah something a little, Bit of a little challenge and free, cool. and it's there, ready to go. What more could you want? <laughs> <laughs> well, we well, we're out of time. Up. Yeah. Oh, our timing is good today, Richard. We're thinking the same thing at the same time in terms of wrapping up. Uh, Reach Australia Network is a podcast network we're part of. Uh, mm. If you would like to just engage with some other material, why not jump on their webpage? We'll put in the show notes the link, and we're thankful for their ministry as well as ours. But, um, yeah, thanks for joining us, team, and I'll talk to you next week, Richard. Yeah, look forward to it, Joe. Have a great week. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.